This is the Modern Patriot Podcast, where we talk everything American, constitutional, and downright awesome. And now your host, John Tig Tiger. Murphy Friday, everybody. Um, yeah, that was a good start. Oh my, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, go go play with your uh, your Hillary doll, freaking producer. I <laughs> uh, haven't just you know some technical issues. This, uh, I was gonna say this morning, but uh, today on Friday. But welcome. Uh, obviously, this is Modern Patriot. And I'm John Tig Tigan. Since we're running a little late, I'm gonna go ahead and just dive right into it. Um, so obviously, uh, if some of you don't know, ten ten years and five days ago on May second, uh, Osama bin Laden got shot in the face. Day <laughs> by a seal. Shot in the face by a seal. Wow. That poor guy. A little seal gets shot in the face. Anyway, so uh, I got a special guest that's going to be coming on, uh, but I'm going to kind of walk through a little bit what we're going to talk about. So American Airlines Flight 11, a Boeing 767 aircraft, departed Logan Airport at 7.59 a.m. en route to Los Angeles with a crew of 11 and 76 passengers and five Islamic extremists. The extremists flew the plane into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City at 8.46 a.m. Then 18 minutes after the first plane hit, a second Boeing 767 United Airlines Flight 175 appeared out of the sky, turned sharply toward the World Trade Center, and sliced into the North Tower and hit the 60th floor. At 9.59 a.m., the South Tower at the World Trade Center collapsed 56 minutes after being hit by flight 175. The collapse lasted only 10 seconds. American Airlines Flight 77 circled over downtown Washington, D.C. before crashing into the west side of the Pentagon, which is the military headquarters at 9.45 a.m. The jet fuel from the Boeing caused devastating inferno that led to the structural collapse of portions of the concrete building, uh, with ended up killing 125 military personnel and civilians and that obviously killed in the Pentagon, along with 64 people on board American Airlines. On Flight 93, one passenger, Tom Burnett Jr., told his wife over the phone, I know we're all going to die. There's three of us who are going to do something about it. I love you, honey. Another passenger, Tom Beamer, was heard saying, are you guys ready? Let's roll over an open line. The plane flipped over. At a speed towards, towards the ground about 500 miles an hour, 44 people died when the plane crash landed in a rural field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania at about 10.10 a.m. Do you guys got that video? So again, on September 11, 2001, 19 militants associated with the Islamic extremist group, Al-Qaeda, hijacked four airplanes and carried out suicide attacks on the Twin Towers. Two of the planes were flown into the Twin Towers World Trade Center. Jeez, I'm all over the place, guys, sorry. Um, and the third plane hit the Pentagon just outside Washington, D.C. A fourth plane crashed in the field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. A total of 2,996 people were killed in September 11th attacks, including 19 Islamist extremists, terrorist hijackers aboard four planes. Citizens of 78 countries died in New York City, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania. At the World Trade Center alone, 2,763 people died after two planes slammed into the Twin Towers. 
That figure includes 343 firefighters and paramedics, 23 New York City police officers, and 30, 37 Port Authority police officers who were struggling to complete an evacuation of the building and save the office workers trapped in higher floors. Over 25,000 people were injured during the 9-11 terrorist attacks, which triggered the U.S. longest war. Only 18 people in the South Tower escaped from a floor where the plane struck. No one escaped at or above the impact in the North Tower. So today, one of our special guests, Bernard, I'm, I'm sorry, Bernard, I can't pronounce your last name, will be joining us on the show. Uh, Bernard, thanks, thanks for coming on our show today. For those of you who don't know who Bernard is, uh, Bernard joined the New York City Police Department in 1986. He's perhaps best known for his uh, 98 to 2010 years as Commissioner of New York City Department of Corrections and the 2000-2001 tenure as New York City's Police Commissioner. During this time, he oversaw the police response to September 11th attacks. He earned 30 uh, NYPD medals for excellent meritorious and heroic service, including New York City's uh, Medal for Valor for his involvement in a gun battle in which his partner was shot and wounded and his team members turn, returned fire. As a result of his work and in the aftermath of September 11th attacks, he was honored by Queen Elizabeth II with an honorary appointment as commander of the most excellent order of the British Empire. Bernard received honorary doctorates from Michigan State University, New York Institute of Technology, um, and a bunch of other colleges, obviously. And uh, he received the Presidential Medal for Hunter College, from Hunter College, sorry. So, hey, Bernard, uh, welcome on the show. Sorry we couldn't get the video to work for you, man. Thanks, John. It's been a while since we've actually talked. It's been <laughs> at least a year or so, I believe, now. Yeah, been, a, been about 18 months, I guess. Yeah, it has. Um, so what you been up to? Not much. Uh, you know, a little consulting. Uh, you know, I'm pretty much retired with the exception of helping uh, Mayor Giuliani and the president out uh, in the aftermath of the election. Um, nice. But uh, that's kind of what I'm doing. How's that going? Well, listen, it's uh, it's been a difficult time uh, from November on. And, uh, you know, we're just taking it one day at a time. Yeah. So, yeah, so obviously uh, today we're kind of, so again, five days ago, marked the 10-year anniversary of a, uh, uh, Bin Laden getting shot in the face by a SEAL. Just kind of, you know, kind of get your uh, your story on what happened, you know, what, what you guys, what you did in, in New York on the, that fatal day on 9-11-2001. Well, that morning, uh, September 11th, I was in my office when the first plane hit Tower 1. Um, I had just finished working out. I was getting ready to take a shower, and my chief of staff came in and started yelling that a plane had just hit the tower. And I thought he was talking about a small aircraft, one of these Cessnas that fly up and down the Hudson River. I went to my television in my office and looked at the damage to the building and realized it was far more than what I thought. I, uh, I called the mayor. I told him I would meet him at Seven World Trade. That was the tower directly across the street from Tower 1 where our emergency command center was. And, uh, and I was down there probably within about eight minutes. Um, as I was waiting for the mayor, uh, I tried to get onto the block to get in Tower 7. 
and there were people jumping uh, from the top of Tower 1, and we couldn't get into that street. So over the next several minutes, I watched probably a few dozen people jump to their death. Um, about three minutes, I guess, before the mayor arrived, the second plane slammed through the north side of Tower 2 and pretty much on top of me. So I was about 75 yards in front of that building. And when the explosion occurred, if you watch that footage, you'll see a, that enormous orange fireball blow out the north side of the tower while I'm standing underneath that. Um, and my, uh, my staff, my security personnel, and I uh, ran up behind Tower 7 to get out of the way as the debris came down. Uh, the mayor arrived about three or four minutes later, and uh, we actually walked down to West Street, the West Side Highway, to look at the damage to both uh, both buildings. We wanted to see the other side of the buildings. And uh, we met with the fire departments, number two, number three, and number four uh, chiefs. We left went to a command center on Barclay of West Broadway. And while we were there, the president was trying to call the White House. Um, building two collapsed. And, uh, and every one of those guys that we met with, uh, they all died. Every single person that we were at that command center with, uh, they died. And we missed it by about, I don't know, 15 minutes. So that was the beginning, uh, pretty much, of my day. Yeah, that was definitely a long day, man. That's for sure. Especially for you guys out in New York. I know it was a long day for me when, cause I'm, uh, for me, because I remember getting up. I was actually living in Washington State at the time, and the wife, she was, I was dependent, and the wife was in the military, so I got to, you know, trying to be a little bit lazy but couldn't. But I just remember... Uh, when I woke up, turned the TV on, and you know, within a few minutes, uh, they, they they were showing the World Trade Center being hit, and they said a, a plane hit the building, and you know, right then and there, my mind just kind of went to it's a terrorist attack, um, and especially right after that second plane hit, I knew exactly what it was, and it was it was there was no way it was accident. Two uh, major airlines hitting these two massive buildings you can see from miles away. Um, yeah, and I just remember going to work and you know talking to people out there, and they're just like, you know, oh no, it's not a big deal. I'm like, no, we're going to war. This is this this is gonna this is gonna be a big big war. Because I just got out of the Marine Corps at the time, obviously, because it's 2001. I actually got out in '99. I did a lot of study on uh, um, you know, terrorists and counterterrorism and stuff like that. So kind of you know again, it was all fresh in my head. It definitely ain't there anymore. But I just knew from there it was a uh, where this was gonna be a long long war or at least going to be it was going to be a major war for sure um so what what was your uh what did you do afterwards i mean what was your uh, role um after that well war? look as the as the new york city police commissioner i had 55,000 uh members of the department under my command um the emergency command center was stood up and we brought in all of the fire department that was about 13,000 members. All of the correction department, another 13,000 members. 
and then all of the other city agencies um, to basically start managing the actual crisis. Um, and when you go through something like this, you're looking at initially at least uh, the rescue, um, whoever you can rescue, uh, the recovery of those that uh, did not survive. Um, and then you had managing the crisis, you had the investigation. Um, so that was that was pretty much what we started. And by the end of the day, that day, we pretty much knew um, the numbers of the missing. And as you stated in your opening, um, the numbers of the missing ran pretty much parallel with those numbers you were talking about. I, uh, I lost 23 cops that worked for me. Uh, there were 37 Port Authority police officers and 343 firefighters. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the insane thing was that there were really no survivors. If you were, you know, below the impact zone when those buildings came down, you died. Um, they were, you know, this was uh, sort of a, an explosion, if you will, at the uh, at almost uh, a nuclear level because everything was vaporized, everything disintegrated. If you remember the aftermath of the towers, um, there was paper, uh, there was metal beams, and there was dust. Yep. And that was it. Um, out of the, the many cops that I lost, I can probably say that uh, most of them would have fit in a cup giving them back to their families. That's crazy. Um, so this was something that we had never seen before, never experienced before, and, uh, and realized uh, extremely uh, soon in the aftermath that this was an attack not only on New York City, but America. And, um, and I was there on September 20th when President Bush announced uh, I was in the in the Capitol with him when he announced we were going to war. What did you think about that when, when they've actually said finally we're going to, not really finally, but that we're, we're going to war? Well, listen, I was ready. I mean, yeah. the, you know, a- anybody that lived through this, John, that was down there at the time, you know, somebody asked me, I think it was 60 Minutes uh, came down and they were doing an interview and they said, do you want, um, do you want justice or revenge? Um, and you know, it's a strange thing. You're supposed to say you want justice. Um, I wanted, uh, I wanted accountability. I wanted the people responsible, uh, for the attack on New York city and, and the murders of, uh, 3000 people. Um, I pretty much wanted them dead. Yeah. I think, um, I think the so, 300 plus million Americans were in other people across the world would think the same thing because yeah like you said you want a justice or revenge and i i'm like i said both to me revenge is justice that's, for what they did yeah that's how i see yeah um you know so you know, uh it was a, it was a difficult time oh yeah most definitely you know yeah i mean i just spent i mean what 10 10 years almost to to uh, you know locate Osama, you know, you know, they chased him around Pakistan, or sorry, not Pakistan, Afghanistan for a few years. You know, he's running around in the in the mm-hmm. mountains, you know, hiding out in the caves. 
um, you know, just just the hunt for him, you know, took you know hundreds of lives in itself uh, on top of the World Trade Center and or on 9/11, not just the World Trade Center. Um, you know, th- but the sad thing is when you think about it, you know, uh, in back in when uh, um, Clinton was president, he had a chance to actually take out Bin Laden, and uh, he turned yep. the strike down. Which again, I mean, yeah. and it, it's it, it's insane that this all could have been this twenty year war could have been prevented by President uh, Bill Clinton if he'd have just yeah. listened listen to the advisors and actually took the shot. Um, you know, I'm right. gonna go back to like Brennan was saying that this is one of the gutsiest uh, calls that ever made by a president in 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 history. Well, not really in history, and whatever I'm not no verbatim, but you know, I think you know that's not a gutsy call. In my opinion, that's I think that should have been the call that should have been made. No, there's no guts involved, but the thing that again, we got Bill Clinton could have took him out and saved thousands and thousands of American lives. And you know, again, yeah, you, know, you know what's strange, John, to me, um, you know, and, and this relates to that gutsy call uh, statement. You know what? With the military that we have today, the men and women uh, that work in the military, uh, you know, especially in the special operations community, there's that, that's an unparalleled military service in this world. Yeah. So when it comes to things like this, I don't see I, I don't see there being difficulty in making that decision. If I was sitting in that seat. And I had the intelligence analysts coming to me and the head of the CIA and the head of the FBI coming to me and saying, listen, this is what we have and this is what we think. And if it's over 51 percent, they're done. They're going. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't uh, you know, I'm not waiting for a 95 percent call. If they're more than 51 percent, I want to go and do this. And um, and I, I have enormous confidence in our special operations community, in our military, that if if they're out there, they're going to get them. So uh, I think the call to go after Bin Laden was right, the right call, but I don't think it should have been that difficult of a call. No, I mean I I totally agree. I mean it's uh, yeah they. That's why I can't <laughs> them to say it's a gutsy. It's not. Yeah, we got one of the best forces, military forces out there, um, and watching them guys in action. I mean, it's ins- even though you know they, it was the Navy. You know, you know, was 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 the SEAL. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean that's no. Like, listen, you know what? Here's the way I look at it. And I used to I used to go through this when I was the police commissioner. You know, if we'd have some major case and. You know, the detective bureau battling organized crime and battling the patrol division. And I'd say, listen, guys, I don't care um, who puts the handcuffs on this guy we're looking for. Just get handcuffs on him. I don't don't care who it is. I don't care what unit they're from. I just want that guy off the street. And uh, in this case, um, that was pretty much the same thing. I wanted Bin Laden dead. Um, and I really didn't give a damn who did it. Um, but I think the team that went in to do it, you know, I know as you do, I know many of those guys that were on that 24 man team. And, uh, you know, I have enormous gratitude and thanks, 
um, for them having the courage, uh, the foresight, uh, the dedication um, to go and do a job that, you know, most people wouldn't do. They wouldn't have the courage to do. You know, it takes a, it takes a certain type of person to go out and put themselves in harm's way. And, uh, and you're one of those people. You've been through uh, stuff like this um, at an extreme, I must say. Um, you know, it takes a certain type of person to do that. So um, I have a lot of respect for these guys, and uh, I'm just glad they did the job they did. And, uh, and this guy's, you know, Bin Laden is buried at the bottom of the ocean somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little bit of timeline again. So, you know, a lot of, again, a lot of people, you know, risked their lives trying to locate this guy. A lot of people died ch- trying to chase this guy, you know, throughout the 10 years. Um, and even before that, uh, just trying to take him out, you know, um, I'll just kind of go, go down a little quick little timeline of, uh, some stuff that kind of happened with the agency and stuff like that. Cause it really was the agency who tracked him down. Um, which the agency right. I'm talking about is the, is the culinary Institute of America. Um, also known as CIA. <laughs> they're good. They're good bakers. So, yeah. um, so, you know, a Pakistan leader who had been, uh, killed by CIA missile strike, uh, security official initially uh, said it was Batula Masood and his wife were killed on August 5th, 2009, uh, by a CIA drone strike in uh, S- uh, South Warstan. And that kind of led up to uh, the everybody, not a lot of people really know about it, but uh, coast Afghanistan um, about a, almost about a year later. Um, but, you know, prior, prior to this attack on coast, again, all this is for the hunt for bin Laden, obviously. Um, but I bring up the Batula Masood because this is kind of where, where this guy became a double agent for the most part. Um, but before Coast, uh, you know, the CIA had only lost 90 operatives uh, since the birth, since 1947. They, the agency's worst single tragedy came on April 18, 1983, when uh, eight of its people, eight CIA agents, were killed in the embassy bombing in Beirut, obviously. Uh, it was detonated by a truck bomb by a Hezbollah and a, mil- a Lebanese uh, militant group. But, uh, you know, then we get into uh, a fast forward after Batula Masood was, was whacked by a drone strike. Um, Camp Chapman, which also known a lot of people know as Coast, on, uh, occurred December 30th, 2009, when a Kyla member and a Jordanian double agent um, blew himself up at Camp Chapman in Coast, province of Afghanistan, 10 miles from Pakistan border, killing nine people, injuring six. The base had been used to provide intelligence for CIA drone strikes on al-Qaeda and Taliban leaders in Pakistan. Um, the uh, suicide bomber, I, I won't say his name, but uh, the suicide bomber uh, entered the base in a vehicle. He was actually being driven by uh, another asset for the CIA. Um, and he was supposed to be given information on Osama bin Laden. He actually sewed a bomb into his uh, vest, exited the vehicle with the cane. Uh, he was worrying about the... Uh, he was the see the GRS guys uh, were you know they didn't want him to come on the way he came on, um, and the the base chief uh, the female was actually placed in there pretty much prematurely uh, from a lot of stuff that I've I've known, and the actually there's a movie called Zero Dark Thirty that um, that portrays this portion and it, it, it's not 100% accurate. Um, I just you know a lot of Again, I've traveled a lot doing uh, contract work, 
and the GRS guys were telling her that they wanted everybody to get to get away. They wanted to search him before they were brought, um, before he was brought to all the uh, in, intel gathering, all the spooks, I'll say. And the only one GRS guy that survived was because the team lead. I can't. I'm not going to say their names. But I don't think they're public yet. Um, but the team lead, the GRS team lead, told him to go around the corner. And when he did, because a guy was actually already coming in, he was getting ready to go out of the car when uh, when he went around the corner. And that's the only reason why he survived. But they were telling, they so it was his birthday, they baked him a cake, um, and they wanted to present him like, hey, you know, because you, they thought they are going to bring him bin Laden on a silver platter because – Unfortunately, a lot of the even the State Department, but a lot of these anal- these spooks think that they're our friends because they're giving us information, which is you, they're not your friends. If you got to pay them or yeah. coerce them to give you information, they're not your friend. Um, so I know we got some clips we're probably gonna be showing after I kind of discuss this a little bit, but so when the guy got out of the car, you know he was acting strange. Uh, he wasn't supposed to have a limp. He had a limp. So the GRS guys, obviously, they, you know, we, we read people pretty well. Um, they immediately drew down on him. Of course, the CIA chief, she's yelling at them, what are you doing, what are you doing? Um, they're telling, telling him to move around the car. He wouldn't move around the car, and then all of a sudden he ignites. Um, yeah. Blew up, uh, killed all the whole GRS team, which, again, nine. Again, they killed nine and seven were CIA officers. Majority of them were, the, were my GRS brothers. Um, and obviously the good thing, not really a good thing, but the, the guy who actually lived was a, was a medic. He was an 18 Delta, um, uh, out of the army. So he was able to treat a lot of the people he saved. Actually, I think two, two of the personnel, other CIA personnel that were there. Um, obviously the, the police chief, uh, uh, she, I mean, she, a lot, they're all pretty mangled. Um, the couple of GRS guys, I mean, they, they were just totally blown apart, um, completely, um, but to me, I mean, I'm bringing a lot of this up because just, you know, dealing with the thing that I did in Benghazi, same thing. You got these uh, chiefs, uh, these chiefs of base that are just really shouldn't be in a leadership position um, and calling the shots. And, you know, these guys, again, we're telling her, you know, we, you know, we need to be able to search him first. Uh, we don't know who this guy is. We never met the guy. But she was just so insistent on baking this dude a cake, giving him a freaking uh, a victory parade before there's even a victory and obviously you know um you know we have what we had again you know know, yeah but you know what john i think you uh you called it when you said that the chiefs of station or the chiefs of base whatever you want to call them they should not be running uh ops They, they just shouldn't be yeah um you know their purpose is intelligence and um, for them to sort of control uh, an operation like this or, uh, you know, a meeting like this, um, you know, if nothing else, um, they should have been off offset to an extent. Let the GRS guys, let the, uh, let the operators uh, get this guy cleared, um, go through the protocols that have to be done, and then move him into position where he could have his meeting. Yep. But to basically have them and, and order them to ignore all security protocols was pretty much the demise of all of them. That's yeah. exactly how that happened. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, that, that base, I mean, I've been there before, and that's just, 
it wasn't wasn't that that she wasn't the chief of base when I was there, but it was another one. They were just doing the same thing. But they're our friends. They're our friends. You know, we got like, no, you guys are freaking right. stupid. Um, but uh, yeah. so I know you. I don't know if you can see the the podcast, but um, so actually, I'm, I'm going to play a video of actually the suicide bomber, the one that he actually made himself. It's a kind of a long video, so if you guys can watch it or hear it, um, we'll go ahead and just roll this video. Kind of this could come to you through unexpected. The Jihadi Manifesto was recorded right before his December suicide bombing, which killed seven CIA employees and a Jordanian agent at this base in eastern Afghanistan. The videotape, just released by al-Qaeda's propaganda arm, shows Humam al-Balawi sitting in a car, preparing to leave for the attack. We will get you, CIA team. Inshallah, will you get you down. Balawi, who also appeared in this earlier tape, predicted the stupidity of Jordanian and American intelligence would allow him to be successful. And he boastfully showed off the trigger for the bomb strapped to his body. Look, this is for you. It's not watch. It's detonator. To kill as much as I can, inshallah. This inshallah. is my job. To kill you. To kill your uh, partner, Jordanian partner. Balawi earned a meeting with U.S. officials by promising to lead them to top al-Qaeda targets. Instead, his suicide mission was the deadliest attack on the CIA in more than 25 years. This was extremely significant from an al-Qaeda perspective because they got into the heart of the CIA operations in the field. Balawi said he was avenging the death of Pakistan Taliban leader Baitullah Massoud, killed last year by a missile from a Predator drone. And he warned other attacks would follow. Don't think that you just press it and put them killing Mujahideen, you are safe. But U.S. officials dismissed the tape as bluster saying Balawi's attack has done nothing to slow down the fight against al-Qaeda. Bob or CBS News, Washington. Just stupid. Um, the, the asset who was with him that was supposed to, uh, that arrived in the car with him was supposed to search him also prior to getting the vehicle, and obviously he never did. Um, but again, like, like you're saying, they're not... Just because you're chief of base doesn't make you a leader. Again, it's the, the safety and the fact that they, she was constantly saying, oh, he's our friend, he's our friend. We need to treat him with dignity, this and that. I mean, you can search somebody and still treat him with dignity. Um, That's right. We do it all the time. And, again, cops do it all the time. You know, it's it's insane. Um, yeah. Again, exactly that, so. Right. Before we kind of move, so again, this is all about for the hunt for Bin Laden getting shot in the face ten years ago. Um, the actual the the surviving GRS guy, and he stayed on. Um, he actually received a lot of injuries from it, and he had to fight uh, um, the insurance company that you know because we got uh, we got to have insurance when we uh, work overseas, obviously. But it's called the Longshoreman's Act, is what it is, uh, or DBA defense, whatever. But uh, he actually uh, ended up having a heart attack about two years ago now, I think, uh, actually during training, because he still stayed on forever. Uh, but, yeah, so. But it's, yeah. So, I mean, the the hunt for this guy just took such a toll when it could have been stopped, you know, just by, um, you know, <laughs> Bill Clinton himself taking, taking the initiative and taking him out, you know. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure over the years there's probably – a few other times, even that we don't know about, that somebody was probably right on top of them, and um, you know, for one reason or another, didn't make the connection. 
um, you know, and I give uh, I give a lot of credit to the agency um, and, and the intel officers, uh, the analysts that were involved in locating. Um, you know, it took a lot of work, um, but uh, most importantly, I guess it's it's those uh, it's those operators that went out to get them. Um, that was one hell of a job. No, I mean it, it. definitely was. You know, they kept they kept tracking them. You know, they're trying to do what they were really tracking them. But you know, they finally uh, um, kind of narrowed it down a little bit. They obviously we had some help. Uh, I'm going to talk about them a little bit by um, a doctor, a, Pac- or a Pakistani doctor who uh, was able to kind of infiltrate the compound. He uh, disguised himself as a, I think he was testing for uh, hepatitis or some some other kind of a diseases right. and stuff and. Uh, so that's kind of where they they really started tracking them. Um, they had again, it was a weird compound, just pretty much I would say around how we have West Point. That's where uh, Osama bin Laden was actually living. It was pretty much right next door to West Point. Um, it's the Pakistani's right. version of it, um, just a you know you know an hour away from the capital, and to sit there and say that they didn't know that he was there, it's. It's mind-boggling. No, that's to me. impossible. Yeah. You know, when you look at the that, that's that's always made me laugh. Um, I think the uh, the military base, the compound, was you know a mile and a half away. Yeah. There's no way that those senior military com- commanders in Pakistan didn't know who was in that compound. There's no way. Yeah, I mean it's, it's, um, it's you know, plus I think whatever. it's like me it's like me building some kind of compound uh you know a, a half a mile or a mile from uh, West Point and nobody notices no, nobody wants to know who that is who built that place who's staying there why you know why does it have walls around it yep. nobody's going to ask it's Well impossible. the walls fell down one time during an earthquake Yeah and uh yeah, yeah so and like like the they had a patio up top. Actually, we I think we have a well. We got some other stuff going. Some other videos. <laughs> they'll show a little bit more about it. But yeah, I mean, how the I don't I hate I, I'm a, I I don't like Pakistan. I don't well at least the government, the people that work for the government, even the military guys, um, dealing with those guys. It's yeah, they're you're just waiting for them to back and stab you in the back almost every freaking day. Um, they they they're not our friends they're not our allies um you know they when you fly in fly out they treat you like crap um and they resist us at every freaking move um because it was just a weird environment over there for the most part um but so they got they got a hold of this doctor um and he was able to go around and actually start collecting blood and uh, and going into uh now he he actually went into the compound and uh, got the blood of uh, Osama's family, and uh, actually, and you know, after after the uh, the takedown of uh, of Osama, they actually, you know, the Americans, you know, the CIA had this guy there. They actually they tried to tell him to leave, but he didn't leave. Um, we have a little bit of a video for about the doctor. Go ahead and roll that real quick story sparking outrage overseas. A man considered a hero by Americans has been proclaimed a traitor in Pakistan. 
He is the Pakistani doctor who put his life on the line to help the CIA hunt down Osama bin Laden. And now he faces 33 years in prison in Pakistan, even though the U.S. sends Pakistan so many billion dollars of aid every year. American officials are angry and speaking out. And here's ABC's Mohammed Leela. To many Americans, he's a hero, the man who helped find Osama bin Laden. But tonight, Pakistani doctor Shaquille Afridi is heading to prison. I think what the PACs have done is, is despicable and is as ghoulish in their hatred as anything that I've ever witnessed. Working with the CIA, Dr. Afridi ran a fake vaccination program around bin Laden's hideout, collecting DNA samples from family members to establish if bin Laden was inside. He passed key intelligence to the United States, and for that, Pakistan charged him with spying. For months, U.S. officials have been calling for his release. His work on behalf of uh, the effort to take down uh, bin Laden was in Pakistan's interests uh, as well as the United States' interests. But Pakistan says Afridi is a traitor and today sentenced him to 33 years behind bars. This action is unconscionable. This man is really an international hero. They should be erecting statues to him. In fact, ever since that daring night raid last May, Pakistani officials have quietly erased any trace that bin Laden was ever here. Just over two months ago, Pakistani authorities moved in with bulldozers, demolishing the entire compound. Even though there is no physical evidence that Osama bin Laden once lived here, there are still serious questions that remain. Questions like how bin Laden could live here undetected for seven years and why Pakistan hasn't arrested a single person who sheltered him. Mohammed Leela, ABC News, Kabul. A story sparking outrage. Yeah, I mean, it's so... <coughs> <laughs> You would think again, like like she was saying, that like that that they would more praise him than to say he was a traitor to Pakistan. The only reason why he'd be a traitor to Pakistan, in my mind, is that they knew he was in Pakistan, and they didn't exactly. want him caught. There's no way they didn't know. There's no way. Yeah. It's just, in 33 years that dude's in prison, and you know, I know Trump tried to get him out. You know, but I think uh, you know the Biden, the Biden. Jeez, uh, the previous administration should have got him out. They they should have, yeah. They had more leverage back then during the initial, you know, of taking uh, Osama out. They had more power. They could, if they really wanted to get him released, they would have got him released. Yeah. So it's a shame. It is. It is a shame. You know, but all this is you know leading up uh, to the to the fun night of uh, you know May second, uh, two thousand eleven. Um, when uh, you know, again, Osama bin Laden got got shot in the face by a seal. Um, you know, I don't know what's worse, getting shot by a, an animal or not. But uh, I get sorry, I crack jokes quite a bit. But you know that that lead up to it, um, there was a lot a lot of different stuff going around in the city. It was just uh, some weird stuff going around on the at the embassy at the time. Um, you know, and just uh, moving around, and it was just a little bit weird. Um, but you know, May 2nd rolls around. Um, actually, I'll go ahead and just roll the the, uh, the videos for him. This was where Osama bin Laden lived for six years, a home registered under a fake ID. The Pakistani report indicates that no one knew he was there, at least not officially. But it was not for a lack of clues. This is what the investigation found out. 
The Al-Qaeda leader hired two brothers to guard him and paid each 9,000 rupees a month. That's about $90 to the so-called Kuwaiti brothers, Ibrahim and Abrar, for guarding the world's most wanted. In 2005, just two months after bin Laden moved in, a massive earthquake struck. A local policeman tells the commission the compound walls collapsed. Bin Laden was exposed, but he still was not found. He lived with his two youngest wives for years. His eldest wife was escorted to Abbottabad just three months before the American raid. Before that, the document confirms Khairiya stayed in the Iranian capital Tehran for nearly eight years, 2002 to 2010. The report also contains evidence of previously unknown preparations made for the raid by the CIA. Nearby poplar trees were cut down. The Army's top lawyer suspects it was to facilitate the approach of the U.S. helicopters. A man called Saeed Iqbal went on a nearby roof and took photographs. Iqbal was a former ISI officer with his own security firm. Pakistan's spy chief tells the commission his profile matched that of a CIA recruit. And since the raid, Iqbal tried to sell his property, and the report notes that he fled the country. The night of the raid takes on a new narrative, as told by Pakistani witnesses and bin Laden's wives. First, four to five vehicles are seen leaving the U.S. Embassy towards Abbottabad. The Army suggests they may have been CIA agents to assist the helicopters. U.S. choppers take off from Jalalabad Air Base in Afghanistan after 2,300 hours. They fly low and fast over the border, entering Pakistani airspace around 20 minutes later. Pakistani radars do not detect them. The report says they are at rest, or as the Air Force prefers, peacetime deployment. At about 30 minutes after midnight, two Blackhawks arrive at the compound. The sound of the helicopter wakes bin Laden and his youngest wife, Amal. She tells investigators, bin Laden said the American helicopters had arrived. She went to turn on the light, but the Sheikh says no. It's no use anyways. The electricity cuts out across the area. At the same time, one of the American choppers crashes nearby. Locals hear it. Amal sees an American soldier on the landing. She rushes him. But he screamed, no, no, and shot her in the knee. In the report, the eldest wife says, one of the soldiers seemed as frightened as her. He looked as if he'd seen a witch. At 1.06 a.m., U.S. forces blow up the downed helicopter and leave. The document details how the Air Force only learns of the raid on television. At 2.07 a.m., the Army chief orders jets to shoot down the intruding helicopters. It takes them up to 16 minutes to reach the area. And it's too late anyway. The Americans have already gone, taking bin Laden's body with them. Four helicopters, two Blackhawks and two Chinooks took off from Jalalabad in Afghanistan, 160 miles from the compound. The Blackhawks carried 25 SEALs. The Chinooks had a backup force and extra fuel for mid-air refueling. The SEALs planned a fast rope onto the roof of the main building right over bin Laden's head, while the second helo dropped its SEALs onto the courtyard. But the second helo lost lift and had to land, clipping its tail rotor on a wall. That forced the first helo to change plans and land its SEALs on the ground. They now had to blast their way through walls, losing precious minutes and the element of surprise. 
Twenty-five minutes went by. Panetta heard nothing from McRaven, and the president heard nothing from Panetta. What was supposed to be a 30 to 35 minute operation was now pushing 40. The SEALs were shooting their way up the stairs to bin Laden's bedroom. Finally, McRaven reported Geronimo, E-K-I-A. Geronimo, code name for bin Laden, E-K-I-A, enemy killed in action. Now the SEALs had to get out before the Pakistanis scrambled jets to shoot down the unknown intruders. Only one Blackhawk could fly, so McRaven sent in a Chinook to help pick up the SEALs who were hauling bin Laden's body and a treasure trove of captured computers, CDs, and paper files. The helos headed straight for an aircraft carrier where bin Laden was to be buried at sea. So I guess I just just heard, obviously, while we were playing the video, we got uh, we got blocked from Facebook. So if you guys go to conservativedaily.com, you'll be able to, if you're listening still, right? Conservative-daily.com. They love, they love me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, yeah, a lot, a lot of people, you know, like, well, where's the picture of him? Where's, why did they dump him at sea? Um, you know, if, if you look at back in history, they'll, if they can find a picture, if they can find uh, where he's buried at, they would have, it would have been a huge memorial. It would have been, it would have been a rally, rally cry call, whatever you want to call it. And it would have made, Probably a lot more jihadist than what there is right now. I mean, what, what do you think about that, Bernard? Did we lose him? He should still be there. Oh, I think. I think he dropped the call. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, if you Bernard, if you're still listening, call back. But again, oh, now I lost. I lost my hearing. Can you guys still hear me? I can still hear you. Okay. You're doing fine, buddy. All right. <laughs> so again, now obviously I can't see the comments because I'm not on uh, D Live myself, but uh, you know, I mean, just you know, people, all these conspiracy theories about. I think what somebody's saying that we paid that um, um, Obama paid Iran like the the, the ninety billion dollars, whatever it was, because they're hiding uh, Bin Laden. You know it. Iran's not our friend, and if they were hiding uh, bin Laden in their country, they would use it to shame, uh, especially – they use it to shame the country. See, aha, actually, we have him. He's right here. Um, but, you know, other other people are saying he's not dead. He's still alive. That dude's deader than – he's – yeah, he's, he's deader than Biden's brain cells. Because um, here's the thing. That guy would always – always show himself he would always try to do something and, and you know say no i'm not dead here i am he'd always send the video out the dude's dead the dude the dude again he, he's deader than biden's brain cells um i probably should say that because i don't want to hurt conservative daily but yeah if you're trying to show me the chats i can't see him <laughs> uh, but you know it's <laughs> sorry guys uh, it's i i the fact that they dumped him in the ocean, I agree with it. Um, the fact that they didn't actually show a picture of him being shot in the face. I mean, I think they actually had one initially. I don't remember if they, if that was actually him or not. Um, yeah, I can actually, I can actually read that. <laughs> it's actually, it's far, it's close enough, big enough to actually, I can read the, I can read the chats now. If I, was, I can't scroll backwards, but um, it is. I mean, you know, being able to celebrate ten years of freaking. Uh, 
Biden, oh, Obama keeps saying Biden. Obama getting uh, <laughs> I am so professional at this. Um, you know, just him getting shot in the face. You know, it. I thought about doing it like you know before him, but I think highlighting it almost all the time instead of just one day. You know, just like nine eleven, people just want to go and celebrate nine eleven on one day. I'll probably do a another nine eleven one. Uh, even before 9-11, because, uh, again, it's something that you just don't memorize just one one day a year. It's it's something you keep uh, bringing up and you keep talking about it because you don't want it to happen again. You know, it's like, you know, right now, especially here in America, we're kind of war itself, but we're, we're forgetting why, you know, why we initially got to war, it seems like. You know, watching some of the interviews that I've seen, uh, people just seem like they just totally forget. But, you know... I know I kind of put out there. I was going to tell you a little bit about about what what I was doing. Um, I can't I can't really go into a whole lot of detail because um, I really I don't I don't want to be like the doctor and spend 33 years in jail. Um, but go ahead and uh, pull up that one little picture that I, I sent you guys real quick. Um, so doing contracting for a long time, I got to do a lot of, lot of fun stuff. I got to you know, see a lot of cool stuff. I got to drop a lot of warheads on foreheads. Well, I didn't personally. I, I got to help uh, drop the warheads on foreheads. Um, so, you know, I was I was there that night. I was actually there prior. I'd been there been there for quite a few months prior to that. Um, you know, did did a fun you know a lot of the uh, trying trying to be very careful. <laughs> a lot a lot of the spooky stuff, you know. So, but you know, being being part of a lot of stuff that's in the history of this country, obviously, I, the only the only real proof that I—it's not really proof that I was there, um, but the only thing that was actually given to me to kind of prove or actually show, which the agency would, would give you a little bit of a, a something to uh, show that you. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to pop the picture up with the coin. <laughs> He's killing me, man. <laughs> oh, it's um, up there. Can you see the stream? Oh no, I can't see the screen. Sorry, guys. Um, so I guess yeah. So it was. <laughs> it's been up there, Tig. Oh, has it? Oh, gotcha. So this is about the only thing that I got from uh, being part of uh, taking out uh, Bin Laden, which um, you know, it's something that eventually. Well, again, ten years. I think it's good enough. You know, I've kind of been out of the agency now for almost ten years. You know, just with the uh, the Benghazi thing for the most part, but. Uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I think we don't give it enough recognition. Um, I don't, I don't remember seeing it all on the local news uh, about Bin Laden getting shot in the face by a, by a seal. Sorry, I got to keep saying seal instead of Navy seal. It just makes me laugh. Um, so that was kind of like my little story. Obviously, I can't go into detail exactly what I did prior and during, um, but I can tell you, like after it was, man. We had so, <laughs> yeah, we th we thought we it was going to get extremely ugly on the embassy compound, extremely ugly, because, again, we, uh, you know, we did. We invaded a, a, a country, a sovereign country, a sovereign nation. We went into their territory without asking. Um, but, again, you know, you're dealing with the Pakistanis. They don't, you know, they're backstabbing mother people. Um, and... It's weird doing this thing by myself and not having somebody so to talk So, Tig, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? 
do you have you ever talked about this publicly and no this is the first time the, the first only time. so the only person who ever knew uh he knows he he well he knows a lot more than when even than my wife does but uh no this is the first time i've ever told pretty much anybody besides him but uh he's passed so but yeah so you so yeah this is the first time i've ever brought it up because again i mean you're sworn to secrecy for the most part um but, you know, I'm sitting here watching a lot of these other little spooks. They're going around. They're making their books. They're telling their freaking stories. They're doing this, doing that. You know, I kind of br- brought it up because of the fact that, you know, the, the SEAL team, yeah, they did an awesome job. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you got, you got these, uh, you know, guys like, like me, Roan and Bub. And uh, give me a second. And it's uh, things can always be kind of tough when you have to go back and think about the uh, the sacrifices you've made. So <laughs> you got this one, buddy. That's about a first. Um, <laughs> well, I do bring you drinks and sometimes yeah. water. <laughs> and some did this. <laughs> no. no, so again, you know, just like uh, the shit almost said his name. <clears throat> well, yeah, don't. The guys in Coast, you know, the sacrifices they made. They don't. Yeah. They don't. They don't have six months to prepare for an attack. They don't have, you know, this um, barrage of cover fire you know it's usually a, a small small group of guys that are going out risking their lives you know uh with these spooks going around i mean the spooks alone risk their lives and uh yeah 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 it was a tough time so i just bring it up because you know again the seals they get praised a lot i get it they they deserve it they totally deserve it. but a lot of people are missing the, the small picture of uh of uh contractors um or they want to call us um mercenaries you know if it wasn't for his mercenaries he never would have got caught he never would have been found because a lot of these spooks again they're they're very good at that well the new spooks are not they're not jason bournes they're a bunch of fucking sorry they're a bunch yeah. they're they're good people but and i'll just go back to benghazi dealing with these they're, they're not the brightest when it comes to protecting themselves and saving themselves in situations and Again, not all of them. Some are again. Some they're not Jason Bournes, but some they they know what they're doing. Um, but you know, we always you know uh, the small guy. You know, taking those months, those weeks, those years, coast. You know, the deaths that that are involved. You know, it's it's it, it's the sacrifices that a lot of other people make that are not recognized. It's insane, but. Again, we don't do it for the recognition. I didn't come out here to, to say what I did, you know, for the recognition. I just bring it up just because, again, it's things that are get lost um, in in the big picture of the story. You know, the the long nights, you know, the the sleepless nights, going out in the middle of nowhere, finding these uh, these assets, finding these recruits, being part of it, um, the dangers of it, knowing you're never going to go home or not. 
you know it's 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 a, on a daily basis that a lot of uh contractors or your uh mercenaries face every freaking day in this country every day you know overseas they're risking their lives constantly you know we come home you know we yelled at being called mercenary i did a lot you know people you know again you're a mercenary you're nothing but a, a blood money hungry individual you know working for the agency is probably one of the least paying freaking job as a contractor so if it was if i wanted the money i wouldn't have been working for the agency i worked for the agency for the cause of it you know for what we we're doing we're keeping the enemy home we're dropping warheads on foreheads you know, and again, I got to do a lot of fun stuff. Got to see a lot of cool stuff. Um, hey, man, you were just trying to feed your family. No, I was trying to feed my cows. <laughs> yes, I got cows. He does well, have cows. I'm a half-ass rancher. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to the ranch. So, but it's, uh, again, you know, 10 years, um, you know, that douchebag getting shot in the face by, you know, it is. I mean, I, it should it should be plain for at least – all week. I don't even. I don't know if I ever saw. I didn't see it w one time on May second on any news channel, um, except for like the major Fox News. I never saw it on any local channels um, that I remember. Um, but yeah. Well, I'll help you talk about it every May second from here until the day <laughs> the good Lord takes me. So. so I mean, this is just weird talking about it by myself. I know. God is. I, I know. Difficult. I could tell it was tough on you, so I just wanted to. <laughs> sit down and just give you somebody to throw to brain starts thinking too much man. i know man. it really does it well so. it's a powerful story and then i get emotional when i talk about stepping my toe i mean i, I thought that was your underwear no those are are really bad and that's why they keep me far away from you and well, that's why my dog doesn't come near you well yeah he does too actually he likes me he gives me the occasional <laughs> but so I, mean, I don't know i don't know if there's anybody's got any questions that you want to um again i don't have the d live or we're getting oh, so yeah I guess well, we're getting pretty close to the end of it. Um, sorry we lost uh, Bernard, but uh, you know it's good to have him on. Hopefully we'll have him on again one another time. But uh, yeah, you know it's uh, again I, I think talking about you know Bin Laden getting shot in the face just one day a year I, I don't think it's enough. Talking about 9/11 one day a year is not enough. The Boston bomber one day a year yeah. is not enough. You know there's we lose track because we we're so we're like in we're, we're amazon i think this is the gen the freaking decade of amazon everything what needs to go fast and quick and keep on moving going forward you know we're moving on to the next thing before the other things even done and talked about you know but it's uh yeah it's that's why i didn't want to talk about the day before may 2nd obviously modern patriots only on on fridays right for right now but you know, I think uh, it just needs to be constantly in everybody's mind because we're too busy fighting each other. We're gonna we're gonna lose focus of the actual battle that why we're actually in the war that's still going on. A lot of people don't even know the war's still going on. Um, you know, I think no Americans died last year in Afghanistan for the first time since uh, the beginning of the Afghan war, and it's because you know a lot of the uh, operations of going after them they're being held by the Afghanis themselves for the most part, but. We just still can't forget because if we forget, it's going to happen again. Um, you know, there's sleeper cells that are that are here. Um, you know, but you know, I wasn't trying to take away from the seals at all for what they did because again, they they risked their asses. But they also had six months. They had a, a model they can prepare for, they can practice on, and they had badass helos that got them in. We had up armored vehicles and less than hour, or just a couple hours to plan for everything that we did 
for the most part. And sometimes we have time, but you know. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I don't even know how to end this one now. Hey man, that was one of the best, <laughs> best things I've ever heard. So. So, but if yeah. you can see it, that actually is my coin. Yeah, I actually do have that coin. Um, there was they're they're numbered coins. So again, they only gave it out to the ones that are actually involved. Um, again, prior and during, um, and after uh, taking that douchebag out. So, you know, it's something again I can be proud of. My kids can be proud of. So, yeah. So again, I guess we're getting ready to wrap this thing yeah. up and. Before I keep mumbling on and probably get myself in trouble with the agency even more than I probably just did. But again, um, follow us, share it. Um, I'm on Instagram. I think we're on Twitter somewhat. I don't really do the social media thing mu that much anymore. But obviously, sh make sure you pass this around, get people to start watching the Modern Patriot. Uh, probably won't tell any more secrets. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> but this one I kind of had to. Uh, it was again just because it's been ten years since the dude was shot in the face. I just love saying he was shot in the face. Who got shot in the face? That was Osama bin Laden. Yes, I better say the right name, Osama bin, bin Laden. Laden. Yes, got <laughs> popped in the face, and that was twice, bad. twice, <laughs> double tapped <laughs> in the face. Actually, I did see a picture of him. Yeah, just so you know. Good. And then just. Send his body to see you after that. I they guess. dumped him. Now he's now he's fish poop. So he's poopy. Send us home, buddy. Send us home. <laughs> Send us home. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining the Modern Patriot. Really appreciate it. Again, the more you can share it, the more I can grow. And hopefully, I don't get shut off any more platforms. This has been the Modern Patriot. And I'm John Tig Tigan. Have a good one.